this morning we're going to look at something I've been I've been studying this for quite some time and I have to admit it it was not my favorite subject at all um in fact for quite a quite a while in my life I just didn't even pay attention to it necessarily because I didn't think it really applied to me um, first off I want to look I want to start in in Genesis where we all start um, I'm going to read through a few little passages first just to kind of you know, look at where we came from and look at where 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 the world is headed and maybe we might even be there. Okay? So Genesis one twenty six Then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And if we look a little farther there in Genesis 2.8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is one of the skirt, one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedekel is one which goes toward the east of Assyria, the four rivers, the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then if we'll fast forward a little bit. Book of Exodus 15. God had brought Israel out of slavery. Defeated the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And was leading them on a journey. You know, you think about that garden. I don't know if you like gardens, but I love gardens. I love trees. 
mountains, water. It's all there. Beautiful, beautiful place. Beautiful place. Place we all, I think for honest, we, we all long to go back to go there. There's a longing for that in our hearts. Right? But here we are. We find find man here in uh, Exodus 15. So I'm going to just kind of read through this little this song that they sang. <clears throat> then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my and song, for he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blasts of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in many waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them up. You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the habitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. And all the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as a stone to your people pass over, O Lord, to the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. What a song. They saw the mighty works of God, and they were praising Him. And we'll fast forward. The book of Revelation, chapter 9. <clears throat> Verse 20. <clears throat> See where man's at now. 
or in the future. But the rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. We go a little farther. Revelation 13:4. And so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Kind of crazy, huh? God ends up there for some. To go from the garden to a place where you don't even know God. To a place where you worship anything but Him, the true God. This morning I want to talk to you about idolatry. Idolatry comes from the Greek word eidololatria, and it's a compound of two words, eidolon and latruo. Eidolon is, of course, idle. It's always idle. Latruo, we see it in several places in the New Testament, and most of the time, well, it's kind of divided. A lot of time, most of the time, a lot of times, it's the word "serve." Um, no one can serve two masters, right? Jesus said that. For he'll either love the one or hate the other, or be devoted to one. You know, so you can't serve two masters. So there, it's translated as "serve." Um, a lot of times, sometimes it has. More the uh, meaning of worship. Uh, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, some of your translations will say service to God. Uh, some of them will say this is your spiritual worship to God. Okay? So it's, it's, so the idea is a service toward worship. It's a worshipful service. Um, Latruo, uh, la, liturgeo, you've heard of lit- liturgy. Uh, it's a service of priests. So, you know, you see how the, the, the Greek's cool like that because, you know, all the, the derivatives sound, sound, have the same root, so they sound very similar, where a lot of times, you know, our, our words are totally different, even though they're the same root. Um, so another example here in uh, Acts 17:16, 16. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys want to actually turn to it. I'm going to go through a few passages here. You can write them down if you want, or you can turn to them. But Acts 17:16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked with him within him 
when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Okay? So he noticed coming in there that there was idols. And, and we know that Paul confronted those idols. And it, it almost cost him his life. Because, you see, you're made to serve. You're made to worship. God made you that way. It's built in. You may not worship or serve the true God, but you will worship and serve something. Acts 7, 7 says, To the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. That's that word, Latrue. And you could also see how that could be worship, right? Whenever God brought them out of Egypt, that song we read, they were definitely worshiping God with that song. A little farther there in Acts 7, verse 42, Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. So that word there, worship, is that same word, latrul. So you can see how it follows that. And then a well-known passage in Romans 1, 25, um, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. They served the creature rather than creator. Same word there. Um, a lot of times uh, when it's a lot of times when you see worship, it's another word, proskuneo. It's always it's always uh, worship. Um, but obviously, as, we, as I said before, you can see how this service is 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 worshipful. It's it's a bowing, you know, a bowing to something else. Okay, what what do you serve? And we sang the songs this morning. My heart is yours. Who has your heart? You know, Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where's your treasure? You know, the reason I'm asking these questions, over the past, I don't know, decade, I've really battled with this myself. Who do I serve? Who do I worship? Sunday morning, I'm definitely, you know, I'm here. You know, it's a very minute part of the week. You know, I I was brought up, I think, I think we probably all were. You know, thinking that, because the world teaches you a different thing than what the Bible teaches you. And if you ascribe to that, 
it'll lead you totally astray. And you'll buy it, you'll, you'll exchange, just like Romans says, you'll exchange the truth of God for a lie. You know, when Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful and wicked, who can really understand it? But the world will tell you that your heart is good. Yeah, follow your heart. Just follow it. Yeah, where's that going to lead you? And to me, one of the most difficult things we do in this world is raise kids. Because in the raising of those kids, initially, all you do is serve that kid. Because if you don't, their needs will not be met. And they'll be filthy. They won't eat. They'll start, you know, you have to do everything for them. And it doesn't take long before they figure that out. And if you're not careful, you'll continue serving that child way too long. There comes a point where, I'm going to say it's idolatry. Okay? I've been guilty of that. And it what happens is, whenever that's your idol, I mean, you don't you don't realize it. Why? Because it's a good thing. Children are good. They're blessings of God, aren't they? Oh well, I guess. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> you know, it can get very tricky. It can get very tricky. Very tricky. Because you love this child so much. You know, it's, it's in your likeness. It's in your, your image. You're, you're called to love this child. But if they're, if they're your idol, who's on your throne? You will serve them like you would God. And idols are brutal. I don't know if you've ever seen how a teenager can drag their parents through hell. Okay. You know, and, and, and I'm not throwing any rocks. I mean, it's we all, it's because it's so, the, the conflicts in our mind, because this is, this is someone I really love. And you're called, you're supposed to love them. But the problem we have, uh, Augustine, I, I, I saw that there's a bunch of people who quoted him on this. The problem is with the order of love. And when you have things, when you have your love out of, in disorder, out of order, you're in trouble. What are we supposed to love? First, above all, God. And then, yeah, yourselves, your family. And then, all these other things. 
I'll be honest, you know, a lot of my life that was that's been out of order. Honestly, probably one of the things I love the most was my career. It's easy to fall into. And before you know it, you find you're serving your career. That's your God. Whenever your career conflicts with your love for God, it's out of balance. And not only that, I put my career above my family. Okay? And that's easy to do, too. And when you do that, what do you end up doing? You're sacrificing your family to your idol. We are, it, you know, and, and the thing about it is, it's a good thing. We're doing good things. You know, God placed Adam in the garden. It says to till and keep, keep it. That word till is the word abad, and it actually means serve. Okay? So it's built in us, it's built in us to serve uh, God in a way in which we work. Right? But we don't serve that more than we do God. When we love that more than God, we're in trouble. And I really would, you know, I really wish that somebody would have taught me this early on in life. It would have saved me a lot of troubles. I don't know if it would have done any good because I still struggle with it, you know. But at least, you know, I would I would notice, you know, know that there's an order of things that's that and and because I actually I was taught the, the 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 model I got was was work ethic. I mean that to me, you know, that that was modeled as coming first. That was modeled to me by the my parents, my daddy raised me, and uh, a very hard working man, you know and. So I, I try to be like that. I strive to be like that. Let me tell you something. If, if if you don't teach your kids the proper order, you're doing them a great disservice. And, and let me tell you another thing. Just because the words come out of your mouth and your actions do something different, guess which ones they're going to follow? They're going to follow your actions. Anyway, consider it. You know, I, anyway, I probably spent too long on that. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, it's something I really struggle with all the time. Um, so I'm going to look at, let's, let's, we'll go to uh, Exodus chapter 20. You know, it's the ten, it's literally the ten words. Um, verse 2, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, 
You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. I'll be very honest with you. Ever since the first time I read that, and up until, you know, the last few years, I'm thinking, you know, it's like, that's like a duh thing. I mean, you know, we don't bow down to images or carve things or and serve them. Why, you know, it, it was just always strange to me. Why would God make that a commandment? Because it's what we're so drawn to do. It's it's up there at the top. And if you read through the Old Testament, they were they were all the time battling that. We th- in, in my mind, I think, how foolish, how foolish. When I was a teenager, I had a, I had a 75 must, or 70, sorry, not Mustang, 75 Pontiac formula and with the hood, uh, hood scoops. Sorry, my mouth, I'm going backwards here. Um, Had it painted, had a new paint job on it. That's where I learned to, to uh, mechanic. I, you know, put Holly 750 double pumper. Anyway, you guys that have worked on vehicles would know all these things. You know, high rise manifold and camshaft. Anyway, I had it hopped up, okay? You know what? I've served that car. It was my idol. If you touched it or came, you know, did anything negative in my mind about it, I would have probably have attacked you because, and I don't know if I'd have done any good, but why? Because I served that, and then. You know, later in life, you know, after having kids and stuff, and remember, you know, after when we moved here, we we homeschooled and all this, you know, stuff. We were always involved in church, and I loved my kids. And but if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I served the idea of what I did with my family. I set it too high. I set it in in place of God. Why? Because it was a good thing. And, you know, most of us wouldn't argue that whenever you you go to that extent with your kids, you know, we know the sacrifice it takes. But, you know, God doesn't... You know, all all through the Old Testament... Around when there's idolatry involved, you'll find this where even though you don't see a lot of times idol or idolatry or anything like that mentioned in the text, you always find harlotry. Why? Because you're whoring after another god. And God, I mean, honestly, who who of us would like if our spouse 
had another lover. Nobody would, you know, it would, if it didn't bother you, we would really have to have a talk, you know, because something's not, your order is really bad. Um, so God always, he always equates idolatry with harlotry, right? Um So, I'm not surprised when God came against my idol. Ten, twelve, ten, eleven years ago. And you know what? I'm thankful He did now. Because I've learned to worship and serve the true God in the right way. I still struggle with it, you know. I think we're all, if we're all honest, we do. Because there's so many good things in life. It's just a matter of how to balance those. So let's look at, let's go a little further here. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. You know, side note, First John, at the end, at the end of First John, the last verse, the last thing John says is, little children, keep yourself from idols. Isn't that odd? Think it was, think it's always been a problem? Anyway, Colossians 3. I've always had, I've always had this in all the Bibles I've had. I've always had it highlighted. I love this passage. Um, we'll look at the first seven verses. Verse 1, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. There's a whole lot, there's a whole lot going on in this. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Because you died and your life is hidden in Christ. And then, you know, as he says, to put to death the members, your members that are on the earth. And he lists the things that are associated with those members. 
Is there anybody in here that hasn't struggled with these things? I want to look at covetousness. Because he says that that is idolatry. Covetousness. I remember when I... I don't know, it's been a few years ago, I did a sermon, and I had that verse in it, and it just, like, you know, really shined out at me, and I'm like, wow, why why, why did it bother me, or why did it, you know, hit me as strange, because in, in my mind, idolatry was just worshiping a physical statue, or whatever, you know, but this shows you that it's so much more. It's not just an outward thing. It can be taken inside. It's covetousness. That word, <clears throat> planexia, it's it's a compound word also is uh play on which is to have an echo wait, more uh um sorry, I got those no to echo echoes have echo is have play on is more Pleroma is uh fullness, which is kind of a derivative of that but it's to have more. To have more is idolatry. Who doesn't want more in today's world? How much more do we have that we're always moving around the house because it's in our way? You know? We always think or I do, okay, I'll say this. Why do they advertise? Because they want you to, they, they're trying to convince you that you need that. Right? And then you, you, you actually believe it. Has anybody ever fallen in that trap? Just once? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's very easy for that to be a daily struggle, is it not? If I have that, I'll be happy. And let me let me ask you this: When you get it, are you happy two days later? Still? Maybe I guess it depends on how nice, it, how fancy. If it was a really fast car, yeah, you might be happy for a while. But did it sol- will it solve your problems? Is it anything you really need? You know, it's easy to fall into that where you're always looking for that thing that will, if I get that, I will arrive. Right? And my kingdom will be established. And that's really what we're doing. We're building our kingdom. And... And we don't realize... We're not careful. We're serving those things. And in order to have those things, a lot of times we have to work a lot harder and a lot more. And what do we end up doing? 
we end up sacrificing everything we love, God, family, for our idol. That's idolatry. Been there, done that, right? Um, You know, you think about it, in the garden, Adam had everything that God intended for him to have. Who wouldn't want to live in a lush, have a, I mean, I don't know, I, you know, I guess it's really easy to stay here in the desert. Um, to, to be in a place like that would be, of course, I see Kim looking at me like I'm crazy. She's from the mountain, the nice lush garden area, but. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, he had everything that God intended for him to have. And guess what happened? He coveted. He wanted more. And that desire, that covet, it started in his heart, and his actions followed. His, he obeyed his desire. And he put that before God. And Colossians 3, 6 says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So that covetousness, planexia, it's a longing for something that belongs to someone else. It didn't belong to him. He wasn't supposed to eat of it. See, is that of placing supreme value on something that's not yet possessed. You know, like like I was saying, if I just have that, I will be good. Whatever that is. And it can be anything. You know, it could be sex. It could be any kind of addiction. Uh, any toy, a person. How many people idolize people? Our whole society is built around that. So that's what the main focus of teenagers. Teenagers, are you listening? Be aware of all kinds of covetousness. For a person's life does not consist of all his possessions. I think a very good, famous person said that. Was it, wasn't Jesus, Jesus say that? Um, Genesis, uh, Genesis 3. I want to trace this word, this covetousness, a little bit, okay? <clears throat> in the in the Greek it's planexia in the Hebrew it's hamad Genesis 3 verse 6 says so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, 
and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree chamad, desirable. So let's let's look at that word in another passage. Psalm 19. If you look at this, if you look at this passage, you'll see the opposite of what happened in the garden. You'll see what Adam and Eve should have done. And you, you, you might think this is odd, me saying that, but let's look. Psalm 19, verse 7. <clears throat> the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. If you notice, she thought the tree was desirable to make one wise, right? The tree was good for food, she thought, but the law of the Lord is perfect. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. She thought that, that, that the, the tree was pleasant to the eyes. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be chamad, desired, are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. So there's it's the word desire there also. Let's look at another verse. Exodus 20. Verse 17. <clears throat> you shall not come out your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Does that cover it all? So you see how that word, that covetousness, is so intact with your desire. It's, it's within you. Isaiah 53. <clears throat> it's a real familiar passage. Um, Verse 1, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, 
that's Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should hamad him. There was nothing about Jesus that we would cut at him. But he's the very one we should covet. Our desire should be for him. There is nothing about him. He didn't have the appearance that we all covet today. He probably wasn't a big muscular, muscle-bound man with locks of hair, a five o'clock shadow. You know, all these things that we're so trapped into serving, wanting to be this image. Maybe I can get through the rest of this. Um, Perhaps greed. D.A. Carson says, perhaps greed is so dangerous because it may assume so many respectable forms. After all, are, are are not those things which we do not have but earnestly desire simply necessities. Tongue in cheek. Um, we deceive ourselves into making idols of our own demands. Let's look at another passage, um, Ezekiel 14. We're going to get, we'll get more to the root of, of this. Um, verse 1 says, uh, Now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. And put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. So it wasn't just an outward action. Here's proof that they're bringing it inward. And they're putting their, their idols as cast into their hearts. There's a... A book I read, um, Soul Idolatry Excludes Men Out of Heaven by David Clarkson. Um, kind of a difficult book to read. He says here, uh, according to the distinction of worship, there are two sorts of idolatry. Open, outward idolatry, when men, out of a religious respect, bow to or prostrate, prostrate, themselves before anything besides God, 
This is the idolatry of the heathens and part of the idolatry of Papas. So that's an obvious deal. It's an outward thing everybody can see. Secret and soul idolatry is when the mind and heart is set upon anything more than God. When anything is more valued, more intended, anything more trusted, more loved, or our endeavors more for any other thing than God. This is that soul worship, which is due only to God and that which he most respects and calls for, given to other things besides him. Soul idolatry. When you literally bow your heart to something other than God, Another really book, a really good book I would recommend um, by Timothy Keller, Counterfeit Gods, The Empty Promises of Money, Sex, and Power, and the Only Hope That Matters. And in, in that he says, what is an idol? Is anything more important to you than God? Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God? Anything you seek to give you what only God can give you? And that's the danger of it. Uh, you know, one of the dangers of it is we're so deceived by these things that we think by these idols that they can give us what we need. But it's only God that can do that. You know, Jesus promises to trust him, to trust God, that if we do, then all the things we need will be added unto us. But our hearts don't want that. We don't want what we need. We want what we want. And in today's world, what we want has become a necessity. We're spoiled. You know. And it's to me, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest difficulties there is in this life. To overcome that, you know, really, how freeing would it be? You know, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Isn't that what we need? <clears throat> we are so busy, so focused with everything we have to get everything that we don't need. That we we feel so trapped, you know. Paul says, "That you're a slave to who you serve, whether to sin that leads to obedience, or to God, you know, righteousness." Um, I kind of messed that up, but um, it's you know, it's another word. It's a different word for serve. It's duluo, which is very much related to the word slave. Um, in fact, the, the Hebrew word for serve, abad, a derivative, a derivative off of that is evid, which is slave. You know, um, we're you know we're made we're made that way. God made us to serve Him. 
But in his loving kindness, he gives us the opportunity to choose to do that. You know, he doesn't just force us. You know, he has, he has the four living creatures there before his throne. Day and night, all the time, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And never rest. He has beings all around him. Whether they were created to just do that, or it's because, I think it's probably because they're right there around his presence. And it's awesome. they can't help themselves but do that all the time, you know. But with us, you know, we have this life. Sometimes we think it's really long. Sometimes we get to we feel like, man, this life is just passing by. We'll die for many things. But we really struggle with living for God. Now, I've got a whole lot more, because um, there's a lot of words that surround this. Uh, there's image, temple, uh, serve and keep. And in the future, sacrifice. I want to dive into those things. You know, temple is you know real simple. Temples all the way through the Bible, is it not? I would even venture to say there at the beginning in the garden, there's a garden temple. And you think, where was the temple at? Read First Kings six. When they made the temple, the garden's all in the temple. There's all kinds of images of garden imagery. Anyway, so I'd like to, you know, follow those things all the way through the Bible. And uh, anyway, I hope you guys got something out of it. And uh, I hope hope you don't feel like I was trying to whip you or something because this is something I really struggle with you know all the time it's always there our, our the one who poses us is so tricky crafty I will put my trust in you alone that song we sang I will live my life for you alone. Let that be our prayer. Only service for the day. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this life, for your love, and for your patience with us. Help us to uh, learn to serve you only, Lord. Fix our eyes on you. Help us to see where we really are seated and, to, and to, to live a life that in Christ as we really are. So that what's inside of us that you've given us can flow outward to where we can really serve you. And so that we really can be the light of the world. And to give the world hope. That's what we need. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.